following program is paid programming. The views expressed on the following program are those of its hosts and participants, and nowhere reflect those of the ownership, staff, or advertisers of WNRI. Welcome to Chat Chat, the people's sports talk radio show on WNRI, with your host, Bradley Shatraw. are back with the Shot Chat Radio Show here on WNRI. I'm your host, Bradley Shatraw, and out of the gate, I want to get to the Super Bowl as the Rams came through and won the game 23-20, to an amazing final drive by the Rams to get down the field and push that ball in the end zone. There was a little bit of a ticky-tack call on that final play, but right before that, there was a situation with T. Higgins as well. So it seems as though the the calls kind of offset themselves in a sense, but I mean, the Rams came to play, and it was their home stadium, and they had everything on the line compared to Cincinnati, who had, I mean, nothing to lose. They were playing with house money. They were the underdog. And the Rams came into this game as the team that had the better coach, were in their home stadium, had the better defense, had the better offensive line, had everything in their favor. And in the end, they were able to pull it out. But man, the Bengals put up a real fight. And Joe Burrow was, he made some really crucial throws down the field deep. And Jamar Chase had a great catch as well. But overall, it was a good battle between the two teams. Really stayed close for the entire game. So that was exciting in this game. But to me, the story is Sean McVay. Because number one, he wins his first ring at the age of 36. That is quite young for a coach in the NFL. But he went all in this offseason. And I talked about it before the game about how Sean McVay was the one that had everything on the line here. He's the one that went out and decided we're going to trade a guy that we chose with the second overall pick. We're going to trade him to Detroit to get a seasoned veteran, a guy that hasn't had the most success in the playoffs, didn't even have a playoff victory until he got to the Rams. But he had the talent. He was a little bit more talented than Jared Goff. He can do some things that Jared Goff couldn't. And McVay knew he was one piece away, the quarterback. And that's why he went out to get Matt Stafford. It all works out. And he looks like a genius at this point. Now, he, obviously, the future of this team is is going to be interesting because down the line here, they are going to reap the consequences of what they gave up to bring Matt Stafford in. They are not even scheduled to have a first-round pick until 2024. They haven't had one, I believe, I think in the last three, four years. So it's really the way they've operated in L.A. is the time is now. And we see they're, they, they, they're ultra aggressive in the free agent market. They were this season, especially after bringing in Matt Stafford, because that furthered the the time is now attitude in L.A. And that's when they went out and they got Odell Beckham Jr. They got Von Miller and pushed their chips to the middle of the table. And you think about, I mean, the conference they're in, it takes... A decent amount of courage to make a play like that and go out and get these guys and mortgage your future because you think about Tom Brady was in this conference. Aaron Rodgers is also in this conference. But somehow, some way, the Rams 
I mean, they did it the right way. They went through the defending champs in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Aaron Rodgers didn't hold up his end of the deal. The Packers didn't hold up their, their end of the bargain. So the Rams had to end up playing the 49ers. And while that's a little bit less of a, of a opponent talent-wise, at the same time, the Rams had historically struggled against the 49ers. Coach Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco has had major success against the Rams. They've had trouble beating the 49ers. But... They were able to overcome that hump as well, make it to the Super Bowl here, come out with the ring. And it's truly just one of those stories where somebody went all in, ultra aggressive, and it ended up working out for them. I'll be right back. See you soon. Time to pay a few bills. So hang tight with more Shat Chat with Bradley Shatraw on WNRI. Recent studies show germs have transmitted at self-service gas pumps. Don't put yourself at risk. Come to Murphy's Full Service Gas, where gasoline is pumped for you while you remain in the comfort of your car. At Murphy's, you pay the same low price whether you pay cash or credit. And free air for your tires for all our customers. Just look for the big green Murphy's sign on Social Street near the Diamond Hill Road intersection. Do you need a scratch or dent taken out of the body of your car? Visit Cody Auto Body in North Smithfield. It is located right next to Little General at 716 St. Paul Street. And with their state-of-the-art equipment and DuPont paints, owner Mike Cody will take care of all your needs. Give them a call today at 401-762-2883 or go in and talk to Mike directly. He has taken care of my car for years and I've never once been disappointed. You can visit their page on Yelp to get more information. are back here with the Shot Chat Radio Show on WNRI. The phone lines are open at 401-766-1380 or 401-769-0600. But I want to get to a little bit more on Matt Stafford here because some of the talk today that I've heard around is, is he a Hall of Famer? And it's an interesting topic because he has some really good numbers. He's had a decent career in a dysfunctional organization. And now he goes out and gets a ring, gets a Super Bowl championship, leads this game-winning drive to win the Super Bowl. And now all of a sudden the question pops up, is he a Hall of Famer? And right now it's probably a no because of the time before getting to the Rams but one thing about this Rams team is the window's not up. It was not just for solely this season. Now, this season was a major part, and it was one of the seasons that they had to get a Super Bowl because of what they were giving up in terms of going out at the deadline and getting guys like Odo Beckham Jr. and Von Miller. But getting that Stafford was still a three-, four-year period where they're going to expect to compete for Super Bowl championships. So Matt Stafford has all the chance in the world to win another one over the next three seasons in L.A. Now, does he do that? That's obviously still to be seen. And and if he was to get another ring, that's when I think he really start to gain some momentum and probably end up being a Hall of Famer. But one thing that 
I've heard a lot of is, well, the record. He, he didn't win. And, and, I mean, that's in large part because of where he played. We have to think Matt Stafford was in Detroit. One of the more dysfunctional organizations in the National Football League for a long period of time now. I mean, Matt Stafford was a number one overall pick. They had one of the greatest wide receivers to ever play the game in Calvin Johnson for a period of time. And they still did not even contend for a championship at any point in Matt Stafford's career while he was in Detroit. And that should show that it's it was much more than Matt Stafford not playing well because the numbers suggest he did play well. It was much more about roster construction and the dysfunctional, you know, what was going on in the front office in Detroit. They've just never been able to put together a good football team, and that is very much attributed to why Matt Stafford's career up until this point doesn't necessarily have the best record, doesn't necessarily have the best resume to get into the Hall of Fame. But when you look at the talent that's there and you see the fact that for the one season that he was put in a position to succeed, he goes out there and wins a Super Bowl. It's definitely going to help the resume, but I'm just not sure to this point if he's there yet. But like I was saying, it's really a props to Sean McVay. He's the one that decided to go do this. He he really was the ultra-aggressive, pulled the trigger on this, and it ended up working out, and they are now Super Bowl champions. Now, another aspect of this game was Odell Beckham Jr., and it was a sad situation. I mean, there's no way around it. The fact that he went out there and really started to look good and ends up coming away with what a lot of people expect to be a torn ACL in his right leg. It was a non-contact injury. He just, I don't know, nobody really knows how that happens, but he was having a really good game up until that point. I mean, he had the first touchdown of the game. He put his stamp on the game despite not even being in there for a long period of time. He had a big chunk gain. I believe it was about 30 yards or so for, for a catch for him. So Otto Beckham Jr. had a really good game, and that was good to see because you think about the beating he's taken over the three, four years when he had got out of New York and went to the Cleveland Browns. And while he was at the Browns, there was he was getting bashed in the media. I mean, let's be honest. He hasn't had the best quarterbacks to work with. He had the end of Eli Manning when he wasn't on at his best form, I should say, is a nice way of putting it. He just was not the same guy that kind of was able to find some magic with those teams and, and make some Super Bowl runs. That wasn't the Eli Manning that Odell Beckham Jr. got. And, and really, the one season that Eli was pretty darn good, Odell was as well. And then he goes to Cleveland where that was just a real mess. I don't really think he ever wanted to be there. I think that's really where he ended up. That's where the Giants decided to trade him. So he finds himself there. He did have one of his better friends alongside him in the wide receiver room. That didn't seem to help. He, he Eventually, the relationship between he and quarterback Baker Mayfield falls apart. And then he becomes this free agent. And you're starting to look around like, is this the last chance here? Because now you're coming off of another organization where it didn't work out, where you fall out with the quarterback, and there was a lot of questions surrounding where does OBJ go from here if this doesn't work out in L.A.? But let me tell you, it worked out in L.A. He decided to put himself in a situation where he was going to have the pressure of this team is going for a Super Bowl. That is their goal. But he was also going to have the pressure of you have no reason not to succeed here. 
And man, oh man, he took full advantage of the situation that he got himself in. He was great with the Rams. He steadily improved week to week to week. In the playoffs, he continued to improve as well and get better and better as the games go on. And like I said, I mean, it was sad to see him leave that game early. But the main thing here is... He still put his stamp on that game. I mean, that opening touchdown was huge for the Rams. They had to have it, get a lead, able to play with the lead for a little while early in that game. I mean, he would have opened up. He would have either opened up so much for Cooper Cup in that game because of how well he was playing, or he would have continued to dominate because the Bengals were so concerned about Cooper Cup. That is the best part or was the kind of, yeah, the best part of the Rams offense at this point was the fact that they had two dynamic wide receivers that if one team was going to zone in and try and take one specific one of those receivers away, the other one is going to take care of business. And we were starting to see that with Odo Beckham Jr. They used him early. They were getting him going. But at the end of the day, he just was not able to stay out there, ended up getting injured. But I'm happy that he's able to get a ring because his play deserved it. He put himself in this situation, and he went out there and executed. And that's really all you can ask when a guy does stuff that he was doing, you know, forcing his way out, wanting out of Cleveland, saying, I need to get to a new situation. He got there, and he took advantage of it. And that's really the theme of this Rams team was – Everybody from all angles were all in. Everybody had a lot to lose. They had put themselves in a situation where the pressure was on them. They were betting on themselves. And at the end of the day, all of these different guys feel the, the I don't know how to describe it. I, I, mean, I mean, they came through. They, they did what they set out to do. And that's really all that matters when you put yourself in that situation. Now, number five here is the questionable calls in this game. I mean, really, like I was talking about, at the end of the game, there was a situation where Cooper Cup kind of, I guess he got held a little bit, but really not too much. It was a good defensive play by the Cincinnati Bengals. It felt like it was a clean play. felt like maybe there was a little bit of a hole, but it felt like a ticky-tack call. And it ended up setting up the Rams to where... It ultimately set up their touchdown to win this ballgame. But I will say it all evens out. And that was not the deciding factor of this game. Because shortly before that, Joe Burrow made a pass to T. Higgins right out of the second half to start the second half and really get the Bengals' momentum swinging in their direction. Joe Burrow went deep to T. Higgins, and he had his hands all in Jalen Ramsey's face mask. There absolutely, in my opinion, should have been an offensive pass interference call there because as much as Ramsey was kind of tripping and he didn't look like he was of the most steady on his feet at that point, the fingers in the face mask absolutely affected him and, and helped him to the ground. It, it was one of the deciding factors in him falling down, which is offensive pass interference. So I felt like both those calls kind of, they even out. And, and that was one of the good parts about the Super Bowl is the rest didn't determine it as much as that ticky-tack call feels like it did. I mean, we got to be honest with ourselves and say T. Higgins was also a penalty. So like I said, it, it all evens out in the end. Now, the Bengals in this game, it was really an impressive showing because it was, I I didn't expect their defense to play the way in which they did. I mean, they were really good against the run and it, it ended up helping the Rams in the sense that 
I mean, it ended up helping the Bengals in the sense that now Matt Stafford had to beat them. There was a point in that game where finally they had to look themselves in the mirror and say, listen, the run is not working here. We have to win with Matt Stafford. And they ended up losing. But it was a good game plan, and it, it really put the Rams in a tough position because they couldn't allow the pat, they couldn't allow the run to set up the pass. And there were spurts where they were getting some pressure on Matt Stafford. I mean, the Rams ultimately were the team that got the most pressure in this game, but for a little while, it was looking like is the the script getting flipped here? I mean, it, it was a lot of good pressure on Matt Stafford, forcing him to make quick decisions. So that was something I didn't expect from the Bengals. But, man, it felt like they gave everything they possibly had. And at the end of the day, the roster flaws came to the surface. I have a call, so we will take that right now. Welcome to Shot Chat. What's going on, Shot? Jamal, how you doing? How did you, you enjoy the Super Bowl? I'm good, Jamal. I mean, I did enjoy the Super Bowl. I mean, it was a good, close game for the most part. Back and forth, I thought it was a good atmosphere. You know, the stars were out in L.A. Uh, there were some big plays, which was exciting. And it came down to, you know, the final two drives, and that's really all you can ask for in the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree with a lot of that. It was pretty, fairly entertaining, too. Uh, pretty good halftime show, I have to say, as well, you know. I would have to agree as well. I was a fan of the halftime show. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's get into football. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. So, now, what? how did you feel kind of about the whole Matt Stafford situation where the Rams go all in on it? It finally comes to fruition here. It feels like everybody had a lot to lose in a lot of different aspects of this Rams team. And at the end of the day, they end up, you know, doing it. They end up getting it done. Now, do you feel as though Matt Stafford is a Hall of Famer? Um, I mean, given the standards that the Hall of Fame has had in, you know, the past couple of years, given, you know, NFL standards, I would have to say yes. Uh, um, I really would. He's probably, I believe he's like top 10 in a lot of the passion categories all the time. Um, you know, assuming he has a couple of good years here, he'll, you know, easily move up in that category. He had an amazing postseason. I know he doesn't, the accolades are, you know, really not there besides Super Bowl. Um, and I get that. So, I mean, if it took time for him to get in, understandable. Um, it's pretty, you know, tough case to make, but, you know, with his numbers and the, with the precedent the NFL has set or whatever and all that stuff, I, I would say yes, and I don't think that's, you know, too hot of a take, you know. If it was to my Hall of Fame and to what I think the Hall of Fame should be, I mean, no. And, you know, and a lot of other people wouldn't be the Hall of Fame either, you know, that are in the Hall of Fame right now that are a fan favorites as well. But it's not my Hall of Fame. It's the, you know, NFL's Hall of Fame. Um, and I think he'll, you know, maybe not first ballot, but, you know, a couple of, couple of times and he should be able to get in. You know, I think that's fair. I don't really know. I, for some reason, I don't think I necessarily considered the fact that he gets multiple ballots. You know, I was thinking about it more from the perspective of first ballot yeah, when his name comes up. Ballot. Yeah, so not, I, not right now. I could hear you on, on you know, a few years pass and, and, and the ballots go by and, and they finally decide, you know, maybe he gets in. But right now it's really one of those cases where... He needs another ring on top of this one to really solidify it. I don't think it's necessarily solidified at this moment. It's definitely an up-in-the-air question. It could go either way. So this kind of window that the Rams have opened up for themselves, if they can get another one, I think that would really help Stafford's case and really kind of put the stamp on it that he's in. And, and it's possible because, I mean, the Rams didn't just go all in for this specific season by the Stafford trade. I mean, it opened up a small window for them, and they are in the midst of that window. So we'll have to see in, in the coming years here. But when you look at the landscape of the NFC, some things could be changing. Maybe Rodgers goes to the AFC. 
there's a good chance that the Rams could find themselves back in the Super Bowl within, you know, obviously the next three years. Um, very, very much so. You know, we'll see. I think, you know, with OBJ's injury, um, it may take a year, so he may be out, which sucks. But, you know, you get Robert Woods back. I think Cooper Cup has, you know, solidified himself as best wide receiver in the league. I don't, you know, really see how that can really be an argument as of today. I mean, he, he, he literally has everything. Um, you know, triple, triple, top, triple crown, um, Super Bowl MVP, had a great postseason. Uh, I mean, he has everything. So, I mean, clear cut, um, best wide receiver in the league, in my opinion. Um, you know, getting K Makers back, going to have, you know, a great running game. Um, you know, the only thing that's going to stop them is, you know, players deciding they don't want to play. As in, you know, maybe Sean McVay not, you know, hanging it up. Aaron Donald may decide to hang it up. And, you know, Andrew Willis is going to hang it up. Um, so that's really just going to stop them. Just players deciding, and, you know, and Matt Stafford's also 34 or whatever. You know, I'm not saying he may leave. But, I mean, he could, you know, very well just easily say, I'm, I'm done. And I, w- I wouldn't blame him one bit either. Um, so, you know, these guys um, either want to retire or up there in age. So that'll probably be the only thing that stops them in the NFC because the NFC is, like, like, kind of like you said, kind of pretty, pretty wide open. I mean, it is true that what's dictating their success kind of over these next few years is going to be are these players going to stick around? Now, McVeigh seemed on the after the game broadcast lately, like, he wasn't considering retirement. I mean, I know there's some rumors floating out there, so he kind of made it seem as though he, he is coming back. But for Aaron Donald, I mean, that's a fair question to wonder. I mean, you think about the beating he's taken over a career here. This is the pinnacle. He made one of the bigger plays of the game to solidify this Super Bowl and, and allow them to win it. So it's really one of those things where that is a huge question because that would be a massive loss that you really can't even stamp the value of an Aaron Donald in your defense. So that'll be interesting to watch. Now, we'll shift to the Bengals. What did you think of Joe Burrow in this game? I thought um, I thought he, he played okay. Um, not good. You know, not, I was not spectacular, not great or whatever. I, I just thought he kind of said okay. Uh, didn't make, you know, the big mistake. He had, you know, a misthrow here and there. Uh, we got some miscommunication. I mean, they were. it's just so obvious that they were just playing with one hand tied behind their back. I mean, it was just so obvious watching them. Um, I was surprised by how consistently they were able to move the ball in the first half. That came to an end after that touchdown, after that you know that field goal where they got the ball basically in field goal range after the interception, and that all stopped. They couldn't move the ball with any type of consistency. Um, you know, I guess you you know, yeah, the final drive. You know, they're moving the ball well. Um, I don't like that's probably the most recent mistake he made all game was wasting um, second down by just you know throwing it you know deep and you know, nobody was even there. Um, you really can't waste down. You got to be, you know, and he's just in the second year. So, I mean, I can't, you know, get too hard on a sophomore. But, you know, if we're going to call him a top three, top five quarterback, which I believe he is, um, you know, you can't just waste a down like that in the Super Bowl in a two-minute uh, situation, unacceptable. But, you know, they, they were handicapped by their offensive line. Like I said, I mean, their right guards are literally some of the worst in, you know, we've, we've ever seen in football, you know, pass grades of zero and one. Um, and we saw yesterday, um, you know, uh, Aaron Donald getting home multiple times on those interior guards. Um, and you know, that's, that's what um, inevitably did have been. They, they were so so close to pulling it off. I was surprised by it. Um, and there was just a too few many times also in the red zone where they um, could have punched it in. I said it had several field goals, and that ended up um, you know cost them as well. Yeah, I think you described it well in just saying that he, he played kind of okay. I mean, it, it wasn't a situation where he played bad by any means. Like you said, no big mistake. He really kept the ball out of harm's way. And 
another great point is the fact that he was dealing with his offensive line all night, and it was the same old story, and it was something that I think a lot of us expected heading into this game is Joe Burrow's going to be under pressure a lot in this game, especially with the defensive front that the Rams have. So that was definitely an expectation, and, and he did a decent job with that. I mean, he did take some sacks, but that's really you look at his offensive line in that situation. He made some good throws deep down the field to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, but for the most part, there was really no consistency. The Bengals had their chances to really either not necessarily put the game away, but really swing momentum very much in their favor, and they just were not able to do that. They were settling you know, for the punt unit to come out, and the Rams got plenty of chances to finally finish this game off, and really, that was on the Bengals. I mean, they could have put this game away with a, a few more first downs, and they just were not able to do that. Yeah, you know, and I have you know, you got drops, of course, a big drop by Boyd on third down. Probably would have been like fourth and one of the minimum, so I mean, you go for that. But that's a big drop right there, because I mean, if they, if they pick up that, um, you know, you're close to getting a field goal right there, and you know, kind of getting up two scores with what, four or three minutes left in, in, in the ball game here. Um, you know, uh, I thought Joe Mixon kind of ran the ball led to the, they ran the ball, uh, you know, pretty well. You know, credit to Zach Taylor for calling those plays um, and getting him to the second level. Surprised by how um, well they ran the ball, about four yards of carry in the second half, um, and they only averaged about one air, one um, pass yard of carry on. Now again, they have seven stacks, so it kind of affects that that number. But I mean, they are running the ball pretty effectively compared to how they were just getting nothing going in the passing game. Um, you know, and that you know ended up costing the Super Bowl. I will say, because um, I think it has to be said, you know, defensively, because I mean they weren't really calling anything all game. I did not at all like that hold on Cooper Cup that was called down late when it would have been fourth and goal. Um, I thought that was an awful call. Can't call that. Um, you weren't calling it all game, and now all of a sudden you're calling it. But, you know, it was hardly even a hold in my opinion. Um, so I, I will say that um, again, still Matt Stafford threw, the, threw a beauty of a ball um, to Cooper Cup uh, over Eli Apple. But I just hate how that um, ref kind of, um, you know, seemed like the ref kind of, you know, took control in that moment. Yeah, especially in a game where there weren't a lot of penalties. I mean, that was when they decided they were going to start to throw the flag because for the most part, up until that point, we really hadn't seen any calls. They were really letting the guys play. So it was definitely a questionable call. I mean, like I addressed earlier, I mean, it was a little bit of one of those situations where you could make a case that T. Higgins also had a situation with Jalen Ramsey where that probably was offensive pass interference. So they kind of even out. But I, I totally get what you're saying in that moment moment that's a really tough call to make in that big of a game on that stage on a play that really was not that bad it, it, it was not a hold in my opinion as well so i would have to yeah, agree with you season. I, don't, I don't think they get caught in the regular yeah. season like it, it was not even that bad of a bad of a call no play. really if anything it was good defense i mean he really played the, the play well he got his hand out in front but here's a question that i think is interesting because it seems obvious but the more I think about it, the more I kind of worry in a sense. Does Joe Burrow make another Super Bowl with Cincinnati? Uh, that's really, that's really, really tough to say. <laughs> um, um, the odds are definitely not in his favor. It's not an indictment on him. It's not an indictment on Cincinnati. I think they'll be, you know, um, there are a, a, a couple of offensive linemen away from being a powerhouse. It's just going to be hard because making a Super Bowl requires a certain, um, it, it requires, you know, you being good, you being focused all year, and requires a little bit of luck. I mean, as we said, um, you know, we saw Buffalo, you know, they had an argument to probably be the best team left in this postseason. Um, you know, 13 seconds, you know, they lose a coin toss, you know, there you go, that's your, that's your season right there. Mahomes and all that, they had an 18-point lead, you know, they blew it. You know, it takes, you know, so much 
Um, and you know, there's only one buy in the AFC now, so you got to win. You got to be perfect for even longer to get there. Um, even the Rams, I mean, hey, they they you know were intercept drop interception away here and there, blown coverage by the Bucks or not being there. It's just so hard um, to say that anyone, especially in the AFC, where it's just stacked with talent, is going to be just a revolving door of those guys to get back. Even if you do, are you going to win? Because you got to deal without a good NFC team or whatever. Um, so I would say um, the odds are certainly not in his favor. Um, more likely than not, he will not. Um, but, you know, it's certainly possible he will. Yeah, it's interesting because you think about the past and there's definitely guys who have played really well and gotten there but never made it back. You think about the Matt Ryans and the Cam Newtons and guys like that who, who got there. And it seems like, it was, I mean, they got to come back at some point here and they just never make it back. I mean, even Aaron Rodgers, I believe he's that his one Super Bowl win is the only Super Bowl he's been to. So that's really something that you look at and it shows how hard it is to make the Super Bowl. And then you look at the landscape of the AFC and even the Bengals division, never mind. I mean, we talked about you just talked about Josh Allen and you think about the Chiefs and those are two teams that are really going to be atop of this conference and, and always in the mix for a championship over the next five years. And then even individual in the Bengals division, you look at the Ravens, who always have a, a good coach team, usually have a good defense if they can stay healthy. Lamar Jackson will be back, and, and he'll be healthy once again. And for the Steelers, there's a very good possibility that they replace Big Ben with somebody that's pretty darn good. They've got a good coach and, and some, some decent weapons over there. So, man, it's looking like it's going to be a really tall task for them to get to get back. And like you said, it does require some luck. They got some chips to fall their way this season for sure. The Bengals, I mean, you think about the Ryan Tannehill game where it basically felt like he was trying to give the Bengals a win there. But at the end of the day, like you said, the odds are going to be stacked against Joe Burrow. And it's a big question mark as to if he ever gets back there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, next year it could be Justin Herbert's turn, and it could be Lamar's turn, and maybe, you know, it's Josh's turn. I mean, it's just, there's still so many, maybe no Baker and them get there. Um, you know, everyone has to, they all, we wouldn't be surprised if any of those teams got there. Well, maybe Josh McDaniels figures out with Derek Carr, and they get there, you know. Um, so it's just, it's just a, a cult. It's just so many, so many, like, it's really deep. Um, so it's going to be really, really hard for any team. It's not, you know, we thought it would maybe be, you know, Josh and Mahomes next pay and Manning. And it may be that it's sort of, you know, quarterback talent and, you know, two of the best of the best. But to make a Super Bowl requires a lot of luck. There's only one bye, you know. They, I mean, the Patriots never made a Super Bowl without a bye, you know, same with the Mannings, and then they had a bye. And there's only one bye. That makes it even tougher now. Um, you know, and there's a lot of talent. You know, there wasn't that. I mean, it was, you know, Brady, Manning, you know, Ben, and a bunch of, you know, other, you know, second-tier, third-tier quarterbacks, um, you know. It's not, you know, there's a lot of talent in the AFC, you know, for these defensive coordinators to plan around. It's not like the old days where you kind of, you know, it's playing against these, you know, um, pocket, you know, third-tier quarterbacks. It's, it's really tough. Um, so, you know, your defense is going to get exposed one way or the other. And that demands a lot of greatness out of you year after year after year. Um, so, you know, it's going to be definitely tough to get back to multiple Super Bowl appearances. You know, you mentioned the Colts, and they're an interesting team because they have it all outside of the quarterback position. I mean, it really feels like that's a team that should compete for a championship, and they had a, a massive collapse at the end of this regular season and now there's talk that they are going to move off of Carson Wentz and will be in the market for a quarterback I mean one year after trading for Carson Wentz do you think there's a chance that that is a team that Aaron Rodgers goes to um yeah I mean I guess that has to be a possibility you know great offensive line awesome running game um I don't know if the receiving talent's all that well there 
Um, maybe the scheme is though not his style, but I mean it's a very good team. Um, in a fairly you know lax division, I mean I guess you're fighting with the Titans, they'll be kind of tough. But I mean if you're Aaron Rodgers and you think you know you're all this great and this high and mighty, it should be you know no problem with the, you know be at least split with them for a year and you know fight about fight it out for the division. Um, yeah, that would probably be a, a tra- somewhat of an attractive, you know, playing in a dome as well. So that's got to be somewhat of an attractive destination. Um, but if I was him, I really would probably stay away and probably stay in the NFC. You're probably the clear-cut favorite with the Packers or maybe you're in the Bucks or everything you go to. Um, you and the Russell Wilson, if he moves on, um, you know, you two will be battling out. The, the NFC is really wide open. Um, and, and the Rams, of course, so, you know, um, you know, see what your Cowboys do or whatever. But, you know, I would, I would try to stay in the NFC where, you know, you don't, it doesn't have to be, you don't got to require, you know, perfection for three straight rounds because get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, this offseason is going to be real interesting in the NFL because there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks looking for a new home. And that's kind of something that we really haven't seen in years past is this many quarterbacks that are going to be switching teams, or at least we think will be switching teams. So it's going to be fun to watch. Before I let you go, who I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Who are next season for you, your Super Bowl picks as of right now? Ooh, next season Super Bowl picks. Let's see. I'm gonna pick for the NF for the NFC. I'm gonna think. I think the Bucks are gonna get either. You know, I think they're gonna get quarterback. It's Rodgers, uh, Watson. You know, we'll see what happens there. Wilson. They're gonna get. They're gonna make some kind of splash room. I think the Bucks will be in the Super Bowl for the NFC. For the AFC, I'm gonna go on a limb here. Um, you know, I, I really hope it's my Bills, but I don't. <laughs> I don't want to give that take year after year. I'm the Chargers. I think it's gonna be the Chargers. I think it's gonna be Justin Herbert's time. Um, he's going to learn, uh, be a, come back as a smarter quarterback. He's going to come like the league on fire. It's going to be a Chargers versus Bucks Super Bowl. I like it. I like it. And I like the Bucks because, man, would that be a story if they were able to get a quarterback in there with kind of the team they had really built for Tom Brady. But even if they were to get a good quarterback in there, it could happen. So that would be real exciting. But I really appreciate it, Jamal, and I'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Have a good one. Time to pay a few bills, so hang tight with more Shat Chat with Bradley Shatra on WNRI. Jacob Rollins Sons Construction is a family-owned business that does many types of masonry work at your home, business, or property. From chimneys, fireplaces, brick steps, block work, outdoor kitchens, veneer work, and other applications, they take care of whatever you need done and are known for their craftsmanship and the quality of their product. So give Tony a call at 401-744-4864 and see why more customers trust Jacob Rollins Sons Construction. Do you need a scratch or dent taken out of the body of your car? Visit Cody Auto Body in North Smithfield. It is located right next to Little General at 716 St. Paul Street. And with their state-of-the-art equipment and DuPont paints, owner Mike Cody will take care of all your needs. Give them a call today at 401-762-2883 or go in and talk to Mike directly. He has taken care of my car for years and I've never once been disappointed. You can visit their page on Yelp to get more information. If you live in North Smithfield, Woonsocket, or Barville and need a landscaper for this summer, Nick Dybala and 3D Lawn Care can take care of all your needs. 3D is known for their quality lawn care and specializes in hardscaping work as well. Call Nick to schedule a quote at 401-692-1631. Let them take care of your landscaping needs so you have more time to do what you enjoy.
And we are back with the Chat Chat Radio Show here on WNRI. Call into the show if you would like, 401-766-1380 or 401-769-0600. Now, to finish off the Super Bowl talk for today, I just want to touch a little bit more on Cincinnati and and their situation last night and and moving forward, but particularly last night, you know, they were the team that was the Cinderella and they were the underdog. And I think a lot of America out there was was pulling for them because of the fact that they were an underdog, because of kind of the swag that Joe Burrow brings to the table. He's an easy guy to like. He's got a confidence, cocky aspect to him that, that draws a lot of people to him. And I can see why. But it was always known I mean, at least throughout people who have watched football all year, that the Rams were the better team in this game. And, and that was kind of the appeal to the Bengals is can they pull off the upset? Can they go into this team's home stadium that has all the chips in the middle of the table and beat them? And they were really close and it was an admirable effort. But it felt like Cincinnati's roster flaws finally came to the surface when it mattered most. And they played a really good game defensively for the most part. But, I mean, there was a good defensive play like we just talked about with Jamal. Bad call, uh, penalty on the final drive. But we can't act like the Rams didn't move the ball down the field with one receiver, if we're being honest about it, because of the fact they lost OBJ. I mean, Matt Stafford got all the way down the field, force-feeding Cooper Cup the ball, and the Bengals had no answer for it. So right there, if the Bengals had this well-rounded team and they were hot at the right time and now they have a good team, well, their defense can hold up in that situation. They can get them off the field. And while you could also say the offense did not do their job with some three and outs and really not taking advantage of the opportunities that the Rams were giving them coming off the field, at the end of the day, Cincinnati had a chance to make a stop on that final drive And they were not able to do that. And, I mean, when they knew who the ball was going to, and they still were not able to stop it. And funny enough, on the other side of the ball, when Joe Burrow comes back out and the Bengals get their final drive down the field with with a minute 20, Joe Burrow's offensive line let him down. On that fourth down, Aaron Donald was able to apply pressure with the snap of a finger in a situation where... The offensive line absolutely has to hold up. It's fourth and one with the Super Bowl on the line. And the offensive line was not able to hold up in that situation. And it's funny because you think about those two situations at the end of this game. And it was the weak spots of Cincinnati's roster. That's ultimately what ended up costing them this game when it mattered most. And I'm not surprised by it, but I will say it was kind of interesting how it all lines up when you look at this team and you say there's just no way a team that's constructed like this can win the Super Bowl their two weakest aspects ended up being their biggest problems when it mattered most now me and Jamal talked a little bit about Joe Burrow or we talked a lot about Joe Burrow and his potential to make another Super Bowl and it's really tough to envision a scenario at least within the next three four years where the Bengals make it back And the only reason I say that is because the Chiefs are going to be back and they are going to be back with a little revenge on their mind. I mean, you can't think that the Chiefs aren't going to come back next season with 
ultra focus after what happened to them this year. You can't think that the Bills, who are hungrier than any other team in the AFC, they have the talent, they have the dynamic quarterback, they're going to be there as well. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens will be back here. Jamal made a great point with Justin Herbert and the Chargers. They will definitely be in the swing of things here. He is a guy that is going to take his team to a Super Bowl as well at some point. There are a lot of teams, when you look around the Bengals, that are better constructed roster-wise, have a better quarterback, and look like they're probably going to be uh, stronger contenders for championships here over the next few years. Now, I will say, the Bengals now know they have a Super Bowl-caliber quarterback, and that's key because now you know all you have to do is build around that guy. You have your guy. You are sure that this guy can take you to where you want to go. Now it's a matter of filling out the roster. You need to get a better defense. You need to have some, some more defensive pieces in there, get a little bit of a better secondary. You absolutely have to fill that offensive line. The Bengals made a decision this offseason. They said, we're not going to draft Penny Sewell, a guy that could really be a next-level offensive lineman. What most scouts are, were calling at that time one of the better offensive linemen in the draft of the last decade. The Bengals said, nope. We're going to listen to Joe Burrow, and we're going to go get Jamar Chase. And that absolutely worked out. I am not saying it was the wrong decision. I like the fact that they listened to their franchise quarterback. They showed him that he has a say in personnel. But the Bengals have to beef up their offensive line. And they passed on a very good option to do that in this past draft in order to get Jamar Chase. That worked out. They have their number one wide receiver now in Jamar Chase, but they absolutely have to prioritize their offensive line this offseason because Joe Burrow needs more time to throw the ball and he needs more security back there. He needs more confidence to know that his offensive line is going to hold up. I get it. They had a couple guys that graded well on pro football focus, but they also had a couple guys that did not. And you cannot be a good offensive line if every single guy on the line is not decent at the worst. Because that's just not going to work. And another interesting aspect of this game was there was a lot of talk right before the game about, will Aaron Donald retire? Is this it for Aaron Donald if he wins tonight? And the Rams won. And Aaron Donald was spectacular, and he was great when it mattered the most. He made one of the bigger plays of the entire game, definitely made the biggest defensive play of the entire game on Joe Burrow on that fourth down to seal the Super Bowl victory. So you look and you say, is this, a tip, is this the tip of the mountain for Aaron Donald? What, what more does he have to play for? A guy that takes in a substantial amount of, of hits and and you know, pain throughout the season because of the position that he plays. I mean, he's going up against some of the strongest men there are and trying to get them, trying to push them back and get to their quarterback. So it's a tough position to play, but also at the same time, it feels like the Rams are in the midst of this thing. I mean, they could go back next year. They could go back two years from now. So Aaron Donald needs to ask himself the question, do I want this feeling again? Or do I want to ride off into the sunset? I think he comes back because he's young enough to do it. 
The Rams are very much within their Super Bowl window. They're going to have a very similar team next year. It's still to be seen if they're going to re-sign OBJ. Like Jamal said, he's probably not going to be back until later on in the season yet again. So maybe it's a situation where they don't sign him right away. He goes out, he rehabs, and he gets himself to a point where he can play again. And then they bring him in just like they did this season. That's always a possibility, and, and we'll see if that's how it works out. But Aaron Donald, I just don't think it would be the right move for him to walk away. I don't think it's realistic that he walks away because of his age, because of the fact that it's not like guys are leaving or they're going to have guys in free agency that they can't re-sign. The Rams should very much be in the mix for things next season as well, be in contention for a championship. So hopefully we see Aaron Donald, who is arguably the greatest defensive player of all time. I said arguably. I mean, it's just not time for him to hang him up yet. So hopefully he doesn't make that decision, and hopefully he decides he's going to come back for another year, maybe more. Time to pay a few bills, so hang tight with more Shat Chat with Bradley Shatraw on WNRI. Springtime, the right time to get an upgrade to your home, or how about that addition you've wanted? Print Construction can help, and all you need to do is call Scott Quinn at 401-996-3038 to set up an appointment to get the process started. Scott owns the small company manned by him and his son. They'll take care of any carpentry or construction needs you have, taking the utmost care and thoughtful professionalism to any project at a reasonable pricing to ensure your complete satisfaction. Call Scott Quinn this week at 401 996 3038 at Quinn Construction. Recent studies show germs have transmitted at self-service gas pumps. Don't put yourself at risk. Come to Murphy's Full Service Gas, where gasoline is pumped for you while you remain in the comfort of your car. At Murphy's, you pay the same low price whether you pay cash or credit. And free air for your tires for all our customers. Just look for the big green Murphy's sign on Social Street near the Diamond Hill Road intersection. And we are back here with the Shot Chat Radio Show on WNRI. Let's move to the NBA as I think I have beaten the Super Bowl to death and it's time to move on. Now, in the NBA, we just passed the trade deadline. And, and it was interesting because we saw some players move. You know, James Harden gets traded to the Philadelphia 76ers. He reunites with his old general manager, Del Morey. And... For the Brooklyn Nets, they get Ben Simmons back, a guy who hasn't played in a while, but we all know what his skill set entails. He struggles to shoot the ball, but he can do everything else at a very high level. They end up bringing in Seth Curry as well, one of the better three-point shooters in the league, at least efficiency-wise, and a guy that you can rely on to at least get you a couple, three, four threes in a game. So the Nets got a good return. They also got Andre Drummond, a big man that's going to help them. So it's one of those situations where both sides really got a good return in this deal. I mean, the Sixers get the best player in the trade, but the Nets got a hefty return for that player. So it's going to be an interesting trade to see who ends up winning it. 
But right now, I mean, you got to think that Philly at least right away wins this trade. And that's because James Harden now steps into a situation alongside Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid where they could absolutely win a championship. And for Brooklyn, I'm just not sure that's an accurate statement. Can the Brooklyn Nets win a championship when their starting point guard is only allowed to play on the road. He cannot play in home games because of his vaccination status. Brooklyn has a situation where you, you've got to be vaxxed to, to perform in indoor venues. Kyrie is not vaccinated, so he is not allowed to play. That's just the reality of the situation. So your starting point guard can only play half your games. And in the playoff series, it would be the same thing. He would only be allowed to play in road playoff games. Kevin Durant's a special player. And arguably the best player in the league when he's healthy and, and fully ready to go. But he can't carry that load. He, he can't adjust on the fly and make up for a guy of Kyrie Irving's caliber being out of the lineup. Now, Ben Simmons is a guy that maybe could step into that role and help and they could play a different brand of basketball. But do you really want your team playing different styles and brands of basketball on different nights? I would think that you'd want to set game plan and go out there and try and execute that game plan every single night. That's just not the reality of the situation that the Brooklyn Nets have. They have a lot of moving pieces. They are not going to have the same lineup every single night, even if they were to make the playoffs. I mean, in a playoff situation, I shouldn't say make the playoffs, but in a playoff situation, it would be the same thing. So it's really hard to envision a scenario where the Nets are championship contenders because of the fact that there is absolutely no consistency on that team. And it's a lot of jumbled pieces that it seems like they're trying to throw together. We'll see how it works out. I think in the future, they could end up being the long-term winners of this trade. But right now, it is definitely the Philadelphia 76ers as they bring in the best player in the trade in James Harden. One of the better scorers we've seen in the NBA over the last decade or so. And he pairs with one of the better big men we've seen in the last decade or so with Joel Embiid. It's going to be really fun to watch that Philadelphia 76ers team. And we'll see how fast it takes to put the pieces together and see if they can kind of become a juggernaut and and become a team in the East that seems as the clear-cut favorite. We'll have to see. As for in the Western Conference, the L.A. Lakers, a team that is truly the definition of a mess. Man, oh man, I'm going to call them what they are. That is a bad basketball team for the Los Angeles Lakers. And they went out at the trade deadline and did absolutely nothing. And it seems like that is an insane thing. It seems like how the heck could they have not made a trade but the reality of the situation is they boxed, them, they boxed themselves in with this Russell Westbrook contract. Nobody is trying to take that $44 million contract off of the Lakers' hands for a guy that is absolutely in no way, shape, or form living up to that money with his play on the court. Now, there was some talks that maybe they could get a deal done with the Rockets to swap some bad contracts out. They get John Wall. The Lakers give up Russell Westbrook back to Houston. And it's really one of those situations where you take this bad contract, I'll take your bad contract, we'll give them a a fresh start and see how it works out. It didn't end up happening because I guess the Lakers felt as though the Rockets were asking for too much. That's crazy to me because if it was really about a first-round pick, what do the Lakers need a first-round pick for right now? Because they are playing for championships, not playing for the future. Either way, Russell Westbrook is a very hard piece to move, especially in the middle of the season. I think they have a much better chance of moving him in the offseason because then you know a team can 
sit there in the offseason. It's going to be an expiring contract, so they'd only have to pay for one year of Russell Westbrook. He's a guy that can bring some people into the seats. We'll see. But for right now, it's a contract that the Lakers just cannot find their way out of. And it's going to be really hard for them to get this team in a spot where they could even really compete for a championship in the playoffs. Because as much as they have LeBron James, as much as they have Anthony Davis, after that, it is a significant drop-off to the next best player on that team. And that's a problem because around the West, there's a lot of these deep teams that can beat you with multiple guys, and the Lakers do not have that luxury. you got to ask yourself, what is next after this season? How do the Lakers fix this? Because it has to get turned around, and it has to get turned around fast. I've pretty much already given up on this season for the Lakers. They are a bad team, and I just cannot envision a scenario where they turn this thing around and get themselves into a scenario where they can find their way into an NBA championship. I just I don't see it. They're not a championship team. So this season, or this offseason, I should say, they have to find a way out of Russell Westbrook, and they have to move on and give everybody a fresh start. Russ gets a fresh start in another city. LeBron and AD get a fresh start with another third star. And they're going to have to find a way to navigate the way out of that to get more money so that they can fill out a total roster. They need to get eight, nine, ten guys who can really go out there, give them solid minutes, and Allow them the luxury of being able to beat teams with multiple guys rather than relying so heavily on their top two stars. It's just not a recipe for success anymore. LeBron's getting to a point in his career where he cannot carry these inferior opponents to championships just because he's LeBron James. That's just not how it works anymore. This isn't the Eastern Conference when he was on the Cavs. That's just not the player that we have at this moment in time. He needs a little bit more around him. I think that makes sense because of his age. And right now, the Lakers just do not have that little more around him that they need. As for the Celtics, really quickly, they have won eight games in a row, and they acquired Derek White at the trade deadline. That's an interesting move for the Celtics, number one, because it seems like it's the exact player they needed. And Brad Stevens got to be sitting there like, this was a genius move on my part, because he's a guy who makes the right play when he gets the ball. He comes from the Spurs, so he really understands ball movement. He's not a guy that's going to go out there and take all the shots and want to be the star of the game. He's the star of the game by making the right play every single time. And we've really seen that in his first two games with the Celtics. He's played extremely well. He's got the ability to pass the ball. He can shoot the three. He drives the hoop when it's there. Like I said, just a guy who knows how to make the right play all the time. And it seems as though that's probably from being on the Spurs, a team that teaches that kind of play. Can the Celtics win a championship? No, I do not think they are a championship caliber team. That's because I think it that Brad Stevens has always been building for this offseason. And, and this is when he's going to go out and get that third star to pair alongside his two young stars in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. But I thought Derek White was a very nice addition. And I do think it probably means the end of Marcus Smart in Boston this offseason. As he's probably the player they use to kind of craft a deal around to get that third star they are looking for. And now they have Derek White who can slide right into that role and probably fit that pretty darn seamlessly. Thank you for listening to today's episode and we will see you next week.
You've just experienced the newest trend in radio sports talk, Shat Chat with Bradley Shatroa. Tell your friends and fellow sports fans to tune in next Monday evening at 7 p.m. for the reason you listen to local radio. This is WNRI, one socket.